Okay, honestly, I don't have an intro for this. I can't really think of one off the fly. Sorry, guys. Okay, well, just apologize to them, and let's get right into the nitty-gritty shit. I just did apologize to them. Welcome to the Meister Movie Podcast, everybody. Hey! All right. The news time, right? <laughs> you just want to go straight into it. My God. You're damn right I do. Uh, Chris, I, because, because I know that you want to talk about one very, 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 very specific thing, we're going to save that to the end. To the end the of, of news. Alex left the call. Hold on. Stand by, everybody. Oh, my God. Alex, drop. Stand by. And, and we're back. We got as I was saying, Chris, there's one thing that we'll talk about at the end of news, because I know you'll want to talk about it, Uh but we're going to talk about some other, in my opinion, I actually think more important things. No, 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 we're not getting into an argument today. Come on. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not going to, I think it's cutting me out here, so I'm going to try and drive out of this. That's okay. So the first thing I'm going to start off is... Uh, Megapolis is going to start shooting eventually, like in the next year. What in the if, what in the if you know Megapolis? Oh my god! That sounds horrible. Alex, you need to listen to this episode back and listen to how you just sounded. Okay, because that I can't explain what I just saw, what I just heard. Duly noted. Uh, Chris, do you know what Mega, Megapolis is? Yeah, I've seen Metalocalypse. No, Megapolis. Metalocalypse, yeah. No, not Metalocalypse. Mega, like, Minneapolis. Like, Megapolis. Yeah, Metalocalypse. No. Uh, I <laughs> left again. <laughs> okay. It broke out. Uh, so, Megapolis <laughs> is cool, Francis like... Ford Coppola's uh basically his his work his, in his opinion his great is gonna be his greatest work and his greatest achievement uh and it's a movie he's been working on for three decades and he he was saving it to be his final film and he finally feels like computer graphics and the story and everything is in the perfect place now I'm trying to Validate your story. Here, I mean, you can go to IndieWire. It's right, right on the right front of IndieWire. Project. Okay, IndieWire. Okay, I can. I couldn't find it on friggin' search. Give me a freaking break. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, what, what what were you talking about? What episode was I supposed to Metalocalypse. Zach's talking about Metalocalypse. Talking about for fucking decades. Okay, yes, gotcha. Yes, yes. Explicit. <laughs> yes. The Ooh. thing he's been talking about for decades. He's finally yeah. doing it. Um, uh, I, I'm not surprised. The technology is really simple, and he basically said a couple years ago, "Fuck it, I'm gonna make whatever I want." Yeah. Because he he's rich as hell. No matter how much he's been like owed taxes and stuff, like he's rich as hell, and he can make whatever he wants. And the last two movies he made, he really just said, "Fuck it, I'm making whatever I want." Yep, so it seems like he's eyeing Jude Law in the lead role. Uh, he's also eyeing Robert De Niro, Warren Beatty, Paul Newman, Russell Crowe. Uh, so, yeah. Wait, wait, Paul Newman? Paul Newman's dead. No, not Paul Newman. 
Um, uh, oh, yeah, it, it is Paul Newman. Yeah, Paul Newman's dead. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, anyways, uh, he is looking at uh, uh, Robert De Niro, Russell Crowe, and Jude Law, for sure. Uh, De Niro um, is still in good shape. He can still probably get... He's still probably got a few really good performances in him still. Uh, Russell Crowe, I still love. He certainly has a bunch of humility to him now, which I love. And Jude Law, I think um, he understands a project when he gets into it. Like, he's happy to be Dumbledore, but he doesn't care that he's like a small little whatever bad guy in Captain Marvel. He knows knows where he fits in whatever mold he's in, which is nice. Yep. Um, So, yeah, those are, that's uh, one of the big news. Uh, There's two other big news that I want to mention at least uh, we'll get to the one that I know Chris wants to talk about last but uh, Scary Stories Still in the Dark I uh, got a trailer oh God, this no, week I'm, that's a hard skip for me yeah, that's fine it looks good for, it a, looks, for a scary thing it looks really good yeah uh, it looks really really good um, so now to talk about the thing I know Chris wants to talk about okay it's a one certain, of two a things. certain trailer came out yesterday yep Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Yes. Uh, yes, it yes, it looks incredible and dark and dreary and everything I hoped it would be. And it looks effed. And I love it. Here's my I, thing. Here's my thing. Are yeah. we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's are my we're recording? Yes, we yeah. are recording Alex. <laughs> uh, the thing is, uh, the Joker trailer. I, I said a long, I said a long time ago that I was trying to get out of my dad's garage in his apartment, and that I was going to be cutting in and out. So I didn't know. <laughs> apparently, when I was cut out, you guys started recording. Did you? Miss- I. It, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. So. Is, is it? Is it Zach? Yeah, yeah it is. it's fine. It's, it's okay. It's fine. I'm just gonna go, Chris, uh, Alex. I'm just gonna go on a psychopathic murder spree and kill people dressed as a clown while a guy dressed as a bat tries to stop me. It's fine. Um, that's an interesting thing when you talk about that trailer because it looks like he meets a young Bruce Wayne in that trailer, doesn't it? Yes, uh, that is. Uh, the root. So the talk of the town is is that based on this trailer, is that the main villain in the movie is going to be Thomas Wayne, and that he's going to meet Bruce Wayne, and it's going to be this really interesting kind of place. I'm, uh, I, after seeing it, yes, I'm very intrigued, because Todd Phillips, uh, he is, he, he, he has great timing, he's a great behind-the-scenes guy, as a producer, I love Todd Phillips, as a director for me, he's kind of hit or miss, but everything I saw in that teaser, I really liked, especially from Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he had a really solid year last year, and uh, I think this is just going to be a tie-on to that, too. Um, not really knowing much about the plot or whatever. Yeah, I would say he's he seems really good. I love the fact that the, the simple moment of him revealing himself as a Joker is him just walking down the hallway to talk to somebody, and then he leaves in the elevator later. Like Obviously, something happens when he talks to this person. But the, that is the reveal. That's the big Joker moment for him, which really speaks to what the movie, the movie's intention was. Yes. The smaller story where the stakes are really personal and yep. you're watching a character study just as much as you're watching something uh, comic booky or cartoonish yep. to a certain extent. And I, and I like I'm, I'm really excited to see Robert De Niro in the role of 
kind of that um what was the, so i read a review about this trailer and someone described it as one of robert de niro's older films um i forgot yeah, what it was king called for sure king of comedy yeah king of comedy and uh yes. comedy is and, the trilogy in his uh scorsese movies yes. where it's just a loner with taxi driver raging bull and king of comedy and king of comedy is just as funny it's just as sad as it is funny. It's just as dark as it is funny. But the moment yeah. I saw him on stage in those curtains in that suit and his hair that way, I was like, wow, king of comedy vibes for sure. Yep. So I'm thinking that a lot of this movie is going to take a lot of influence from king of comedy while being kind of its own place. And I love the tagline they've chosen for the movie, which is put on a happy face. Well, um, consider, considering that A... Um, King of Comedy is about Robert De Niro kidnapping Jerry Lee Lewis so that he can try and get on his show. Yeah. And then it just started from there. I, I got real hints of that too. But also, I love that they were playing Charlie Chaplin's smile in the trailer as well as yes. obviously he goes to an event where Modern Times is playing there. Yes. So I was like, what's the Charlie Chaplin reference? I'm in. Yeah, I'm all aboard this train. I think I think that back half of this movie is going to 100% take a King of Comedy turn. I think... The back end, like his big first Joker, like um, crime is going to be kidnapping Robert De Niro's character and holding him hostage to let him, you know, finally have his moment. And I hope to God it goes darker from there, and he just strap kills him because that would be amazing. I, I, it would be the perfect send off to what I think will be one of the best Joker films of all time. I think considering it. The only Joker film of all time? Well, yeah, I, I mean, think. movies with the Joker in it. So, you know, Dark Knight, yeah, yeah. Batman, uh, Batman, uh, obviously Suicide Squad, uh, you know, Adam West's Batman with Cesar Romero, and whatever. I I'm actually, this, I'm, big, I'm a big fan of the Jared and Jerome stuff on Gotham, too. I think that actor's yeah, a pretty good Joker, too. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we're going to see something really special here, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to put his heart i think he put his heart and soul into this movie and i think it's gonna show and i think it's gonna be fantastic i really do i am so excited to see this movie i think that the fact that they're kind to make this man just absolutely depressed all hell he hates his life he hates his mother he hates his job he gets beaten to hell for his job for just trying to do something he wants to do uh, because he's different. Looks like he has a legitimate mental illness. Yeah. There's, uh, like, if you look at the note, he says uh, there's some really dark shit uh, written. Like, he said, like, the note says. Um, it's jokes. Norm- he's, written, he's written, like, these weird form jokes, and then at the end of the jokes, it's like um, the worst thing about mental illness is that everyone asks you to behave like you don't have it. Yeah. Which it's, like, crazy. really dark. That's crazy. Yeah, I love it, dude. I'm, I'm all aboard this. I think Joaquin Phoenix is gonna kill it. Uh, and honestly, I, I would be shocked if people didn't think this movie's performance by Joaquin Phoenix is better than Heath Ledger's. I, I just wouldn't be shocked at this point because this, this movie looks okay. dark. Okay. All right. Now you're getting ahead of yourself. I, I am. I- People are gonna say at at this point, I can see people saying it's gonna be on par with yeah. Ledger because it's just about what what was Ledger's part. And to be honest, like we all wanted more of that Ledger performance, and it was great, and it fit the mold of the story that they were telling really, really well. 
and I'm just I'm I'm intrigued because I think this is going to be fun, but I also just think it's going to be a different idea of what we all thought or all think the Joker is, which is why I like the Jer- the Jerome Jared stuff on Gotham a lot because half of it is stuff that's new and crazy and just kind of doesn't work with with the Joker, but does still because the actor's great, and then the other, the other half is like stuff that everyone has always wanted to see about the Joker, but like they nailed the Joker on there, so. Yeah. It could go either way. Like the audience could go, "This is exactly what we've always wanted from him," or "This is something new that we can appreciate." It's that's kind of the interesting thing about Ledger. Ledger is the perfect balance between the two of them. It's something new that we never expected, but also it's a smeared version of what we always wanted. But it also isn't everything. You don't know his backstory. Yeah. It's serious. It's all this. There's so many things going for his performance because the character is really good. So I'm interested to see what kind of performance Joaquin Phoenix has, sure, but also what kind of character has him and Todd Phillips built? Because Todd Phillips, as far as I can tell, understands character really well, but I've never seen a movie where he's just made it about like one character. He's never really made a movie that I've seen, at least. Uh, of his where it's just about one character and his and that, view and that's going to be where this is going to be interesting where I think maybe this might be a good example of a Todd Phillips solo movie like who knows I mean I think this movie has just as much potential to be incredible and even possibly get an Academy Award as much as it is to be a failure and that's scary but awesome at the same time I, I see performance more than anything else. Maybe screenplay, depending on how it goes. Uh, I think I think there's a very like distinct that chance that if this movie's it. successful and is smart, or I think Joaquin Phoenix could get a best lead actor for this. Oh yeah, because he's a good actor. He's been nominated before, but also he he had some great performances last year, and that he wasn't recognized. So I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens. But it's certainly turning into one of my most anticipated movies of the year because it's breaking out of yeah. something that we all uh, all feel a little bit uh, tired yeah. from I, but also still love like we the, all love the other comic- really cool thing is that uh, two things that come out one we know the release date it's right in the middle of Oscar season it's October 4th um, and, and two we get before it it's it's right in that kind of that nezzlement right right before Oscar season really kicks off maybe a couple early Oscar season films come out uh, but it's uh but it's kind of in that, that dry season of film where it can shine. It's going to be right before Star Wars really kicks off anything and really before like the, the Christmas movies, really, and the Oscar films kick off. The other thing is we found out the budget. The budget is, I think, going to be a good indicator of like how good this film could be. Uh, the budget was $55 million, so it's it's pretty small for a, you know... It, you know, a superhero movie. I mean, $55 million is not much. No, yeah, they, they've called it an independent feature on their on their terms. And just considering where they all come from and what they all have done before, if this is their idea of what an independent movie is, that's kind of funny to me, but also it, gives them, it seems to be giving them a lot of freedom. Yes, and I think this film will be very interesting. Again, I think it's going to be one of the surprise hits of the year. I, I do. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a surprise hit. I think this movie is going to make money no matter what, but whether it's going to be good and whether it's going to have like, whether it's going to achieve the goals that these guys making it seem to want to achieve. Um, I hope, I genuinely hope that, um, I, I just hope everyone steps up their game. I'm not expecting a lot other than just a good time with a dark movie. But, uh, Chris, what do you think? 
if this movie's good, Warner Brothers got something else on their hands that could stand them out from the Marvel uh, establishment. Like... Yeah. Oh, like... You know how, like, Deadpool really, like, raised an eyebrow to, like, rated our comic book movies? Like, this could lead to Warner Brothers, like, kind of stepping away from, like, what they've been doing, trying to counter Marvel, and go in their own direction with their own style and their own way of telling these stories on screen that could you know yeah i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> well uh, for, for, I, I, agree. For, I agree yeah. what you're saying yeah like uh to me what i've noticed people are noticing the fact that that dc has an opportunity now to start making movies in the opposite way that marvel has been doing for the past near 20 years they've they've created a brand that is now an identity and it builds to all of their films and that has cons as well as pros and dc is seeing that if they make individual movies that maybe some of them will interlope with each other but maybe some of them won't that balance between uh, an aquaman and a wonder woman where maybe those characters can go uh, ahead and be in a movie together but mostly their movies have their own separate tones they may be in the same world but or universe but they have their own tones like aquaman is completely different than wonder woman bar none and i hear shazam is different too but then you have these kind of like joker logan movies and that's what i think they're going to be going for i think they're going to have their like outliers but then they're just going to try and give every superhero their own tone and their own style not just picking directors that are are uh, give, and giving them the freedom, but like making sure that their movies stand out either in tone and in style uh, enough for them to play with other films or just basically be a Logan Joker and just it stands yeah. alone on its own. And I feel like that's the sort of like route they're going for, which is so interesting because Marvel was kicking butt. They got ahead of the game. DC scrambled to catch up and they stumbled so hard with the same idea that by the time they just sort of stopped and got their bearings together, people were getting sort of bored with the taste of Marvel. Now, both of these companies have an opportunity to change the way that they do things. DC has already got a head start the way that Marvel had a head start before. And Marvel, they, they are, they're, play, they're keeping their cards close to their chest. So we have no idea what they're going to do in their next phase, really, because we can't know until Endgame comes. So yep. since none of us know, we're all like anticipating a Marvel they have to keep it close to the chest, which means they can't test these new ideas on the audience. They could before. People in the comics knew Thanos was coming, and we all had these ideas about Infinity War, which means the screen, the filmmakers could bounce these ideas over the past 18 years off of us. So the Endgame is an absolute response to the audience's response to Thanos showing up in Avengers and the conversation that's been happening between the two of them. That conversation is gone now. It's like the writers not having the books in Game of Thrones anymore. Game of Thrones is just a TV show now. It's not an adaptation anymore. It's a TV show. And that's what's happening with Marvel. Like They don't have the audience's conversation to back yeah. them up uh, in their ideas anymore. They're running blind. They're flying blind in the next phase. And that's, that is a pro on DC's side. Because we can see the waves coming on DC. We can see the goal that they're going for. We can see that they've decided to not like worry about catching up with Marvel and just they now have a path that they can make.
make. And yeah, go that and, route. And, I, and I really do think for DC, these next these next few movies are going to be really good from them. I, I think Shazam is just the beginning. I think, you know, obviously Joker is going to be great. I think, uh, I think Gotham City Sirens is going to be great when we finally get that. And I think, you know, when we finally get it, uh, the Suicide Squad is going to be a new thing. It's... We're we're stepping into kind of an era where DC is going to be ruling for a little bit. I think Marvel kind of took a kind of a stumble with Captain Marvel. It wasn't that good, and a lot of people are saying Shazam's better. Dude, uh, what? There's a certain movie coming out in three weeks, and it took me four hours to get those tickets, and that is not an accident. Yes, and I think that movie's going to be the fifth movie to make two billion dollars, and I think it's going to make three box office. Well, I, I think there's an interesting thing about Captain Marvel because there there was a woman, uh, Ava Devine. She was going to work with Marvel, and when they had a property for Captain Marvel, uh, or no, it was Black Panther actually. They, she was like, uh, "I'm I've never done action scenes before," and they said, "Oh no, we'll take care of that." And I think huh. that's what happened with Captain Marvel. They they yeah. looked at these two filmmakers who are great with actors and can get good performances out of actors and are also good with some other storytelling techniques, but they've also never done action before, ever. They've, they've made Gosling uh, get an Oscar nomination, but they've never really done action before. And uh, my assumption is they took the job and the producers and the CGI people were like, we'll take care of the action. And the filmmakers were like, cool, okay, great. You're going to help us. You're going to take over that aspect of it. Great, there you go. And... They just happened to not be good on those other aspects. And also, they had no real sort of voice in the CGI and the action either. And that's that's what Marvel is making a mistake at. They're, they're picking filmmakers that have some aspect to them that are good. And then they're just sort of like saying, well, we'll handle this other aspect. And there's not really a fluid vision going through. It's starting to become yeah. a producer's set of films rather than artistically driven separately. And yep. you can see that in Captain Marvel. Do I think that Captain Marvel is a step back? Um, no, I don't think it's a step back. I just think every now and then we're going to get films that are okay to good. Every now and then we're going to get a Thor Dark World. Every now and then we're going to get an Incredible Hulk. That's just going to happen. Uh, yep. I think Ant-Man and Wasp, as fun as it is, is not very good. So it does kind of... It sucks for me when you go from like Ant-Man and Wasp, which is an okay time, and I want to watch it after I watch the first one, but separately on its own, I probably wouldn't. I would call that movie good, and I would call uh, Captain Marvel a bit better than that, but as I spoke about in the last episode, I just think that movie is structurally and narratively incorrect, so I don't think you respond the best from it, but... yeah. Do I think that Marvel has audiences for at least another five to ten years? Yeah, they, they've got our money for another five to ten years for sure. They may screw the pooch in the next five to ten years, but that doesn't mean they don't have our, like, they have our audience. They've had us for 18, like, I've invested 18 years of my life with these stories. I want to see where they go, and I'm willing to give five years of my life to give them an opportunity to change. I think the problems they may create. And I think the crazy thing is, is I think they might have our money longer because they have Fox now, and now they can tell a whole new set of stories with new characters and new ideas, and then they can and then they can bring both both decades together finally. And yeah, really... at the, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's really just if Marvel starts to 
milk toast the all these products together people will not want to watch it and run away eventually people will say i'm sick of that i don't want to get that vibe anymore i want to go to dc i want to go to these other like i'll, yeah. I'll go to youtube and i'll watch a 40 minute fan-made uh video about whatever like I, I will go out of my way to find stuff that is different than what is everywhere. That's what I do for music. I can't remember the last time I sat down and listened to uh, a TRL or a radio or anything. There's only whatever the Billboard Top 40 was. Like I, I yeah. can maybe name two Drake songs. And that's because when I take my time to find music, I take my time to find the music that I want. I'm so yeah. sick and tired of what's cliched now. I will go out of my way to not only find what I want, but avoid what I don't want. And that will eventually yeah. happen if Marvel doesn't allow some breath in, eventually. But they, yeah. they've got at least five years to make mistakes to do it, I think. Yeah, and I we'll see what happens in the next five years. We'll see if they, they kind of make the universe a little less connected and a little bit more about independent in, individual movies and individual stories with you know their their big whatever they want to say cliche team up movies every so often and not as consistent um i want, want to see you know i want to see almost i almost want to see more spider-man homings where just a story about peter parker and yes he's in this universe but you know, Tony Stark is is there, and he has a very specific role to play, and it's not as tied to the universe as it could be. I'm I'm interested because I mean we have a Doctor Strange, a Captain Marvel sequel, um, a Black Panther, yeah. Black Panther, and more Guardians. So these are all characters that we already know, and um, the next few movies are going to be with these characters. And yeah, I do like them, but they don't have the same impact as the first Avengers did. Or, or I, I, not, there isn't a person out of the. I mean, I love Black Panther as a character, and I think the performance is really good. But I love the world and the films more than I respond to the character of Black Panther. And maybe yeah. that's just. I don't know. I am warming up to Chadwick, Bo, Chadwick Boseman a lot. I always feel I. It's his other performances in other movies that are weighing me down in terms of the way he plays T'Challa. But I love that world, and I love the royalty of it and, and I think out of all the characters he's the ones that I'll probably respond to the most over time the way I do Cap but like you have a Cap and a Tony those are two like brilliant brilliant stars in this like galaxy they have going and whether one or both of them leave they still have to replace them to a certain extent and yeah. I don't know if they've got I don't know if they've got that magic. I know they've got Bozeman, and I know Bozeman and those films have an entire culture of people behind them that have nothing to do with me. Uh, yeah. That are already put it. So there's that going for it. But at the end of the day, it's like I, 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 you've got maybe a replacement for Cap with with Black Panther, but do you have a Tony Stark? Is that who uh, Spider Man is? Like what? I don't know if they can fill those holes that well. And yeah. Maybe it's just because I love Robert Downey so much and Cap just grew into somebody that I loved so much just because his movies are the best out of all of them. Yeah, I and we'll have to see. Like, we'll have to see what they end up doing going forward and how they end up, you know, filling that void. I think, you know, maybe, one of the, maybe we'll start seeing Chris Hemsworth taking more of a centralized role with his Thor franchise where... You know, one of them's really, really, really good, and the other two are just kind of eh. But you know, Taika Waititi is a very special person with a very, with a lot of really great ideas, and I think 
James Gunn's time after Guardians 3 is gone. I think Marvel will not bring him back in the fold after that, and they're just going to let him kind of go. Um, and I they can leave him. I think it's still up in the air. I think that's I agree. still up in the air. I think it's still up in the air, but I wouldn't be surprised if Disney says, you know what, we gave you the respect to finish the franchise, but I think it's time that we, we go our separate ways. If that's the case, why'd they hire them back? What? If that's the case, why did, why did they hire them back? He, they hired him back to finish Guardians 3 because no one else would do it. <laughs> Whatever you say. I think, I, think there's a, I think there's a possibility that Disney would like to mend fences with James Gunn for sure. I think there's a possibility of him staying in producer roles in other films would be nice. And like maybe the possibility of him directing another film for them again in their space sort of atmosphere, maybe another Guardians. But I think I don't think they wanted to lose their relationship with him. I think that that was a... Alan was, Horner, Alan Horner, Horn wanted wanted them to, to lose that, but he's a douche. <laughs> I, I think that the company as a whole did not want to break that relationship. No. I think they wanted to keep him around as a voice that would continue to branch uh, Marvel out, out outside of Earth. I think that was their intention. Do I think that this is a bump in the road that probably put a bad taste in Gunn's mouth? Yeah, so it's Gunn's decision. So Gunn has to make another movie with them. And I think whatever, again, this story will evolve when he's done making that movie and when he's done making the other movie. Remember, we're not going to know what he's going to definitively do until two movies from now. He's got to make two movies before he decides what he's going to do after that or which yeah. company he wants to continue working with. My guess is he wants to continue working with DC if he, can t- if he makes something with Suicide Squad. And he makes it, like, not only is it good, but also he makes something that he wants to continue telling. Marvel's probably going to let him do that. But I also don't think they want to let him go. I think they wanted, I think they always wanted to continue working with him. And if they could continue that relationship, they're going to go that route. That, that's the thing they want to mend. Whether yeah. they'll get that opportunity, it's all up to Gunn, and it's all up to what his experience is making Guardians 3. Yeah, and uh, I couldn't even begin to tell you what I think that relationship's going to be with that I mean, I, to be honest, I I think Alan Horn's time at Disney's limited, anyways. Just you know, this not even this James Gunn issue aside. I think people in the company just don't like him in general. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But uh, I, I, I'm sorry to get political here, but like I, I you know, Disney's going for a very different ideal. Uh, they're trying to do some very different things than what it seems Alan Horn wants them to do. And, uh, and obviously, you know, this whole James Gunn issue kind of brought it to the forefront where, you know, James Gunn kind of, you know, said some stuff and kind of offended Alan Horn in a sense and he went after him. And that's, I wouldn't be surprised if Gunn's a little shell-shocked about, well, should I say anything anymore because who knows what management will do to me now? Because they were willing to get rid of me the first time. Okay. I think everyone's. I think everyone's afraid. Anyone, everyone's afraid to say anything. Yep. And I think the best thing that Disney could do to make up for that is just get rid of Alan Horn, who's the problem, and, and let uh, and let um, who's the other lead there who didn't want guns? I can't remember his name. Any any anyone who's like conservative or Republican right now is is on the side about how they decide to. Uh, control or talk about their artists or their employees it's just the way that it is like the more the more the gop continues to stand by trump's decisions the harder it's going to be for anyone working with those people to uh, take them seriously so horner sitting there and having a problem with what gun says and maybe like 
doing whatever he wants on his own terms is fine, but like for him working within the company was obviously a decision that the company didn't want, and it was obviously a problem that they had already come across with Gunn and didn't want brought up again. And Horner yeah. was just trying to find an outlet, and that was the thing. He was just looking for a, a dirty. Uh, he was just looking for a dirty weapon to pin it on him, and. Disney was like, what are you doing? Like, just keep your conservative politics and bullcrap out of this right now. That's not good. So anyone who's aligned with that right now has to be be very careful with their decisions because there's a difference between Roseanne and there's a difference between James Gunn. And the difference was all the difference. Uh, It was clear as night as day. And the more it becomes clear that it was one person who made the decision for the company and the company is now pissed about that, the more... Everyone in Horner's decision, on terms of a political level, who also has power, is just as is is walking just as fine a line as artists who are trying to say things. Like James Gunn, I guarantee you, is just as concerned about what he says politically online and social media as Alan Horner or anyone else in Alan Horner's shoes is worried about having their politics be the reason they decide to get rid of a so-called liberal artist. They don't know their audience, obviously. They're part of the yeah. GOP. And they uh, they might ruin everything for their entire company. Yeah. Sorry, Chris, we went into this a little deep, but that's that's life sometimes. A- any, any more news? Uh, that's all I got. Is, uh, Endgame broke the kinda... internet. Yes, Endgame broke oh, the internet. The, the ticket sales, yeah. Yeah, it has the highest pre-ticket sales of all time now, I think. It beat uh, Force Awakens, finally. Yeah, I was going to get my tickets tomorrow, so I'm going to see uh, what's available. Uh, well, I got... you know, it's, it's funny because uh, I'm actually, I just... So, to tell a story real quick, I actually today texted a friend of the three of ours, uh, Matt Richards, about seeing if Willow's going to do a screening. They obviously are going to do a screening, um, but... Uh, to just do that so I don't even have to pay. <laughs> well, that would be nice, yeah. That was nice enough to let you insure. Well, he uh, he hasn't gotten back to me yet, but uh, we will I... see. Um, I'm going to try because I, I really want to see the movie, but I, I don't think I have the money or the, the patience to want to sit through you know lines to get it, but we'll see. I'm hoping that there's like a really super early Friday morning show that I can get in on. Because I, as I get off early that morning, if they have like a 9 o'clock or a 10 o'clock showing that no one really wants to go to that day that has like a really yeah. bad seat, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to take a crappy seat. But I can't yeah. go Thursday night, and I'm, I'll have a bunch of time Friday. It's just, again, trying to find tickets. So I'm hoping yeah. that tomorrow when I get paid, I'll be able to find something cheap and easy in the morning. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna see myself. I'm very uh, interested to see what happens. Uh, but uh, a lot of uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm gonna try and go see Friday night because my uh, my new job's a pain and does pain things a lot, and we you know make money and sh- stuff like that. Yeah, so. that's what the job is. Um. Uh, yeah. So um. We'll, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see it. I don't get me wrong. Uh, I just need to figure it out, and I I don't think I can wait very long, or I won't get tickets. So I'm gonna try and see if I can just go at Willow, and then if any of my friends get extra tickets, I'll just go with them and pay them the difference. 
Um, yeah, I want, I'm going to go as early as possible on Friday. Just because I'm getting off around that time, it's just going to be perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the tough the tough thing is is I, I work at 8.30 in the morning, and I go till 5.30 at night, so I... Basically, out of the running of getting anything, unless yeah. anything. I waited four hours online to get these tickets. For what time and what day? Thursday, April twenty fifth, six p.m. IMAX. That that's why, dude. That's why you waited that long. Holy no, crap. because AMC shut down. That's why I waited so long. Yeah, because. Because they probably got overwhelmed with the number of people trying to get tickets. I don't even have half bad seats. No, like, if you have a show, if you get to go see a Thursday night, then you're good. It doesn't matter. There are no bad seats on a Thursday night for this showing. No. No. Deal with the neck problems later. I'm going to get a bladder infection with this movie. To be mildly honest, I I don't think I'd want to see this movie in IMAX, but that's just me. Oh, come (laughs) on. I, I think... I think it'd be good at IMAX. Hell yeah, I think it'd be good. I don't know. If okay. anything, this is the thing that would be made for IMAX. Speaking of IMAX, this is a movie we should have seen in IMAX. Oh my god, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, if you've been following the last two I mean, weeks... To be honest, this movie was over overwhelming. <laughs> It was an attack on the senses, man. This is when, like, this is just, this is Coke Fuel's 80s at its height, at its peak. So, if you've been following us the last two weeks, we spun uh, the Wheel of Series, and it landed on Rambo. It's my first um, wheel victory in such a long time. Um, Zach was on a tear for a while. Oh, I was on a tear. You both were on a tear. I I I was completely just being, like, Left, well, left, left and right Chris, destroyed. Chris, Chris, one of, on eight let, let me be clear here, Chris. The movie we watched prior to this, Chris didn't even like, even though I think it's one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah, it's like, like you gave up talking about it on your film podcast, which is hilarious. <laughs> what do you mean I gave up talking about it? I was trying to talk about it. I asked questions about the movie, and then eventually you're just like, I don't know, it's a bad movie. I'm like, well, there you go. That's why I got that. I'm like, what? God forbid you say anything bad about a bad movie on your bad film podcast. (laughs) This is a terrible podcast. I'm glad that one person on Anchor is listening. Um... (laughs) Hey, I listen, my dad listens. Yeah, I listen too, my dude. So, like... We should do a plan. We should do a plan nine rewatch. Give it. I'll give it another chance. No, Chris, 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 we don't need to do a plan nine rewatch. You need to do a plan nine rewatch. You need to do a plan nine. Do re-watch. I have to like this movie? Yes or no? No, you don't have to like the movie. You have to understand that it's really funny, though. I'm saying if you wanted to do a re- if you wanted to do the podcast again, like if there's anyone who needs it, it's you. But also, if you ever watch that movie again, just watch it with a group of people. Like group of people yeah. who enjoy it and have seen it, and they'll they'll like get you in. They'll get you, you in. No, but Here. like have yeah. to. Before we do, before we do first blood part two, I've been thinking about this actually. No, I've been thinking about this. What? Okay. Okay. Listen. When I think about the Plan Nine episode, I could have handled that better. You think? Um. Yeah. So again, it's, it's you're talking about a movie on your film podcast, which yeah. is why I was like, "Come on, 
But at the same time, it's like I don't. I didn't expect you to like it. No. I didn't expect you to like, like to love it. I didn't expect you to see it the way we did. I expected you to talk about it on your film podcast. That's what I was expecting. That's all. That's all I want. Like I would love for you to be able to see what makes that film uh, interesting and fun for people like us. But you don't have to. If you're ever gonna see it again, again, watch it with a group of people who've seen it before. When you're all like howling around, having a good time. Like that way, you can zone in and out of the movie, make jokes about it. You can talk about things with your friends. You don't really have to like focus your all your attention on it. It's it's historically not a good movie to watch by yourself. You have to be an outlier like myself or Zach. But at the same time, when it came to that, it was just as simple as talk about it, say something about it. Don't just like completely shut down. Yeah. That's what that's what that's what got me yeah. mad. I was like, yeah. dude, come on, what are we doing here? Like, right, let's like, start over. Let's not even do first blood then. Let's not even do first blood. It's a bad. It's a bad movie, nine. but it's a silly bad movie. It, it's a silly bad movie about people being silly. Like if you think about it, like. That the movie. Oh great. my God, Zach! Listen, <laughs> he, he listen. It, he, he saw it. We don't have to go do that. We don't have to jump through those hoops again. But like, anyway, you were talking about first blood. <sighs> no, I can't even talk about it. All right, fine. First blood part two. Because this movie is insane. Yeah, it is. It's eighties. It's eighties fueled nuttiness. It's it's and, everything great about the eighties and everything that's bad about the eighties. <laughs> Yes, there are things about that. I would say this movie—it's the birth of a lot of what I wouldn't say it's the birth, but it's like the the distillation of a lot of great action ideas that have, are carried on even to today. And it's also just like the evolution of the ones that came before it. But also, again, it came out when like Sylvester Stallone was a huge star. He had just directed his own movie. He had just came out with the most insane coke field of all the Rockies. And when you get to the end of this movie, when he's just murdering like 75 dudes in all these insane different locations and ways and, and possibilities that are, and then it's just like clip and cut, 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 cut. Here's a different kill. Cut, cut, cut. It's like, oh my God, the editor just like, found an eight ball like this is insane like it, it just it gets to this point of just like rapid cut and it's like here's a kill here's a kill here's a kill and it's like i'm glad that action movies to this to, to now have sort of like find that down to a better comb and he himself was probably find that down to a better tooth comb with the fourth fourth rambo but like here it's like it's just Rambo jacked up. It's just insane. It's insane. By the end of the film, I'm, I was laughing my my ass off. It was hysterical. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like like you you could probably just say the bulk of this movie is just him killing people in '80s coke filled glory. Uh, it is. It would. Uh, yes, the le- the second half of this movie is him in just entirely killing people. But there are other things that I find hilarious about it. Um, for one thing, the movie looks amazing. This is yeah. the one. That- by Jack Hardup, the guy who made like all the three best Powell and Pressburger movies, like the best looking, most gorgeous, colorful films of the 1950s, period, drop mic. And then he also like made a bunch of other amazing films, including the cult classic of his own direction, Girl on a Motorcycle, a feminist like movie from the 60s that's genuinely pretty like atmospheric and good. But there are some great moments in this movie. This movie was like at the end of his career. He, was, he had like maybe two more movies left in him, and then he like did some fledging stuff, and then he retired and eventually passed away. But th- there's some great moments, great looking moments, like when the, it go the camera goes from the conversation between two people to uh, 
Rambo and the girl underneath the floorboards when the helicopter leaves them and it's him and the soldier and then the other soldiers are climbing up the hill when he gets punched by that guy and he's on the cross and the sun beams down underneath him like there are some great shots in this movie like they when I the mean, last movie it's it's really that, funny to sorry to interrupt you Alex but uh the, the weird thing about this is whenever I talk to people about Rambo or whatever, you know, people talk about Rambo and they, they look up images, all the images are from Rambo 2. None of them from Rambo 1. They're all from Rambo 2. The, the thing about Rambo 1 is that uh, it's atmospheric, whereas this, this one is action plus imagery. The other one was like atmosphere plus action. Uh, the, yeah. the first one was shot in the same town as Twin Peaks, like it's just Washington and trees and yeah. and then all of a sudden you're just stuck in the forest with them and it's just gritty, dour Seattle, Washington forest and it's all about moodiness. This one is about just like you're, we're gonna pop, we're gonna get you pumped up and pumped up and then here's a great image that sticks in your head and then all of a sudden here's a bunch of people dying and the next thing you know by the end of the film like it there's there's no imagery, nothing's capturing you. It's just murder after murder after murder and explosions and everything's blowing up and then there's cuts left and right and then it just doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> then it's just insane but the I, I mentioned in the last episode how much that i knew about rocky uh, not rocky but rambo based off of hot shots part two and i can tell you right now that a lot of the jokes that came from that movie came from this one in particular like the girl tearing off the her clothes to heal his wound him using his knife as is like basically every situation possible yeah no the like Hot Chest Part 2 is making fun of this. And it's, it even makes sense when you see, like, Gremlins 2, just how much of an impact this movie had on people. This was a huge hit. And it makes yeah. sense, but also it's like, by the end of it, my senses were just, like, overwhelmed. <laughs> it's also hilarious. It's also hilarious. <laughs> Score one for the maestro. Yeah, no, the movie's nuts. I love it. <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's yeah. insane, you guys. Like, in the last film, in the last film, all he wanted to do was just kind of, like, see his friend in his town, and then the cops are pushing him, and then he's like, you know what? I want to go back into town and do my own thing, and then they push him to the far, to the point that he's like, they try to kill him, because their, their, their pride is hurt. And basically, the whole point of the last movie is, he has Vietnam flashbacks. It sends him back into the bush, and he's stuck in the bush. And he just his war in his mind is that people don't accept Vietnam soldiers, which is fine in and of itself. But like to have it visit, like have it like actualized into him murdering a bunch of cops is hilarious. But he had a reason, but he wasn't political. He was a peaceful dude. He wanted to see his friend. He, he enjoyed kids playing soccer. He was nice to the guy's neighbor. He was peaceful to the cop. He just, he's a peaceful guy. But when the moment this movie starts and his guy's like, hey, I got a job for you. I can get you out of this prison. Rambo's like, are we going to win this time? And I was like, oh, no. Rambo's political now. Rambo's got politics. Oh, no. This is not good. And then you do research and you realize, oh, James Cameron wrote a script to this. That blew James my mind when I saw the credits. That blew my mind. That, that, and then it turns out Stallone read the script and then did a complete overhaul on it, added all the political stuff, and took out all the normal James Cameron stuff. <laughs> like he was going to be in a I, I think, I think you rebroke, Chris, Alex. I'm sorry, what? 
I think we broke Chris. No, I'm fine. I'm just really happy. Not, I'm happy now. Not yet. I think we're probably going to do that around four. My guess is if like, I guess it's like four is going to really have me going. Oh yes, yes. I hope you like Rambo too, because <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's on. Oh man, I can't wait I, to get to four. I can't wait. I really can't yeah, wait to get this, to four. This movie was hilarious. I thought it was so funny that the guys like. We brought we brought Rambo in, the guy that murdered an entire town of people. He's like the best Green Beret, and we brought him in to take pictures. And then and then my favorite thing is like, first of all, this guy has no idea who Rambo is. He's just doing this because this guy's like, I got a guy for this job. And then he's like, we just need to take these pictures. Then he reads his list of things, and then the first words out of Rambo's mouth are, "We're not taking, we're not getting him back, we're not bringing him back with us." If I was the if I was Murdoch, the first thing I would have done would have been like, you know what? I think it's time you went back to prison because you're obviously insane and you also have the physicality and awards to back up that insanity with violence. So I'm not going to have you go ahead and follow through with a plan that I obviously want to fail in the first place just for the sheer fact that you're insane and can back it up with your body. So why don't you go back to like crushing rocks there, buddy? Hold on. Like Murdoch's insane. Murdoch's insane. The fact that he's like, I just need you to go take pictures, and then Stallone's just like, yeah, pictures. Just sharpening his knife slowly in front of everyone. He's like, pictures, right? He's like, yeah, pictures. No, 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 here's one thing. Here's one thing I like. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it insane to think that you you kind of got a little bit of a Michael Myers like vibe out of that? <laughs> <A little bit? laughs> Chris, you haven't even seen Halloween. You shut up. I have the basic premise. I don't think he's. Been, I didn't. He didn't remind me of Michael Myers. He reminded me of just like Ghostface of all the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like those movies. Here's the funny thing about it. The more that I think about it, the re, like. Um, like you just mentioned, like I just thought of this. You like, need the, to watch the reason more you movies? mentioned the whole thing, like you mentioned about um, how like his plan that he wants to fail, his plan that he wants to fail. Like they brought him back to take, they brought him to take pictures. Like they brought a murderous man who is like psychotically on edge and like he to take pictures to take pictures. That's pictures. not no, that's not what set him off. That's not what like. Set like set him off to not trust Murdoch. No, it's the fact that he got he Murdoch claimed to be in a battalion that was not where he said it was, and Rambo knew that. That's, That's what my, set him off. That was my other. That was the first moment that I was like, oh, oh yeah, he's insane. Like the thing is, like they start this movie and like Rambo. He starts off sort of like, I belong in this prison, I'm an animal, but I'm, you know, I'm I, I, I'm a peaceful person at heart unless you set me off. And then all of a sudden he says that political line and I'm like, wait a second, Rambo doesn't think. He's not a thinking kind of character. And that's what he does as he's sitting there listening to Murdoch tell all, tell all this stuff. Like, his wheels are turning in his head and I'm like, Rambo doesn't do that. And then he gets, right before he gets on the plane, he turns to Toutman and he's like, that guy is lying to you. You're the only person I trust. You don't say that shit right before you get on the airplane. You say that <laughs> stuff when the person lies to you. 
<laughs> you say that for the person, like you go to the only person you trust and you're like, this guy's a liar. This whole thing's pretty fishy. We should probably figure out what's going on here. You don't wait until the last minute and be like, by the way, the guy that has who's planned all this fishy as hell and I only trust you. Bye. No, no, you don't do that, Rambo. That tells me that he may think it may he may like be thinking through the situation, but the ends is to just be insane and make an insane decision. Like that's like him getting on the plane and be like, I don't trust him. You're the only one I trust. But you know what? That sounds like a really fun time to me. I'm gonna go anyway because he's insane. <laughs> and then and then he goes and he gets one POW. One POW. Like, he doesn't even get any pictures. He just goes there and he goes, oh, I've seen one B.O.W. Well, who's getting crucified right now. I'm gonna to be grab fair. To be and fair, he though. Takes he takes him back. They totally leave him. And then he gets captured. She breaks him out, which is awesome, by the way. The fact that she gets riddled with bullets afterwards really, really pissed me off. Because I like <laughs> the fact that she... That was such a... That was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching an 80s movie. Shit. But, like, I liked her. I thought she was super yeah. cool. I thought that she came in and, like, saved his butt. Obviously, he was going to fight himself out of that room anyway, but she, like, shot from the floor, and he saw her, and she totally helped, and he thanked her. So, great. But, like, they get... I love it, because he goes there. He doesn't take pictures. He gets one POW to prove that there are POWs at that camp. They don't take him. He gets captured. He escapes. Leaves the POW that he took in the first place, which is arguably in way more trouble now that you've left him. Then they escape, and she looks at him and goes, what now, USA? And he's like, yeah, USA. And then then she gets riddled with bullets, and he's like, you know what? Uh Uh-uh. You just, uh uh-uh. Nuh-uh. And then he, like, oh, my God. How he got in that helicopter from the water is beyond me. (laughs) Everything up to the helicopter, I was like, okay, fine. Rambo's killing people from everywhere. He's a sneaky dude. He's got ninja. Whatever, fine. But the moment that the the helicopter was, like, flying around trying to shoot him, and then he jumps into it, and it turns out the helicopter was, like, an inch above the water. I'm like, that's your fault, dude. That's your fault. Like, no way am I going to... No. Sorry. Like, that, that was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And then he gets in and he just murders everyone. And then he gets the POWs out and he brings them back. And then he just goes to Murdoch and he's like, knife on the desk. And he's like, you go find him. And if you don't, I'll get you. And it's like, you go find him. You brought them back. You were the crazy one. You're the one capable of doing this go save them this guy obviously doesn't even want to do the job don't do it better than him coming and be no no one like it, that's like a reality show where a guy comes in and he's like your restaurant sucks i'm gonna fix it in a day and then he does and then he's like all right i'm gonna leave all the same owners and managers of the place i just fixed to run it bye no so, so you're no. saying that it's like watching a gordon ramsay show it's like watching Captain America the First Avenger if Tommy Lee Jones was the bad guy and Captain America just didn't give a crap afterwards. He, he Instead of joining S.H.I.E.L.D., he just moped and went somewhere else. Like, by the way, the last shot of the movie, where the hell is he going? <laughs> where is he going? All the are behind him. All the planes are behind him. He's just like, he's like, where are you going to go? He's like, I don't know. And he just starts walking into an open field of nothing. <laughs> I was like, 
and look, you're stupid, and you're insane. Like, he's not dumb. He's just insane. He's just insane. Like, like Taubman can't be like, you know, that's the wit. Like, I guarantee you, Rambo would have been like, yeah, I know. And he just would have kept walking. Like, Taubman knows the answer to that question is going to be like chicken fried potatoes. Like, he's just going to say something crazy. Chicken fried potatoes, is that what you said? Yes, and that's my favorite thing because that is exactly how the movie that he directed the year before the sequel to Saturday Night Night Fever ended. Saturday Night Fever is the movie that made John Travolta. He danced in it, he strutted with a paint can. Like When people think of the word strut, they think of John Travolta in that movie. He made that stuff, he dances amazing in it. But that is a movie about a guy who's trying to escape his small town where a woman gets raped and his best friend jumps off a bridge and commits suicide. It's a dark movie. The sequel, on the other hand, is about him trying to be a dancer in New York, and it's hilarious. The plot of that movie is John Travolta is given a hard time by women while he becomes a dancer in New York. Like, that, broads give him a hard time. That's how that movie goes. He, he successfully is the biggest douchebag in the world by the end of that movie. He does the biggest douchebag thing he ever could have done at the end of that movie, and he's the hero. And his girlfriend looks at him and goes, well, what are you going to do now, John Travolta? And he goes, I'm going to strut. And then he kicks open the door to this building that he's in. He completely leaves her behind, the romantic interest that he just won over. And then he walks. He just walks in the middle of the street of New York, and it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've, I've never laughed so hard. And it's the same thing here. It's like, where are you going? You're leaving everyone behind. You're going nowhere. Why are you moving your main character walking nowhere? Why is Rambo walking in the middle of the wilderness? Because he's Rambo. He's insane and he's got problems. <laughs> Do something about him. <laughs> here's here's the here's the moment that here's the moment that set me off. Like everything else was just like I've seen I've seen before because I've watched these I've watched these movies a ton of times. <clears throat> like after like he's hunting everybody down like pretty much one by one after we get the him covered in mud shot and <laughs> yeah oh that was funny. Um, like, he stands there, the main Asian dude, who shot the woman, like, he's out of AK ammo, so he switched to his pistol, so Rambo just steps up, like, knowing, like, he can't hit him with a pistol from a distance, (laughs) takes his last explosive head arrow, (laughs) and shoots him and he explodes. (laughs) That's the one that got me. (laughs) I, that is hilarious. That also is made fun of in, in Hot Shots Part 2, but I do, I was laughing because, like, the guy's shooting at Rambo, and then he's obviously out of bullets, and then Rambo aims the arrow at him, and the guy starts running. But he runs in a straight line. Like, that's a serpentine, dude. Serpentine in that moment. But then he stops. He says, screw this. He turns around, and he's like, I've got one last bullet left. I'm going to try and shoot this guy. And Rambo nails him, and he blows him up, and it's cool, and it's, like, awesome. Rambo's blown up dudes. Um, but then immediately after that, a helicopter shows up and drums like a, a giant container of napalm on him. And it's like, you know, Rambo, you probably shouldn't have used that on one dude. Probably should have like maybe ran up to that dude when he ran out of bullets and then beat him to death. Like you could have, like, why would you use that one thing that you could like, it's four vehicles. It was four vehicles in the first place. Uh, 
you can give it bad timing, but I just think it's dumb for him to use an explosive arrow on one single person. Yes, it was the guy that shot her, but come on, man. Overkill. There's a, and then the helicopter scene. <laughs> so <laughs> That's what got me. That was the moment where I was like, that's just, that's insulting. That was <laughs> like, I think the whole thing was like, it was trying my patience on its editing, and there were a lot of dumb moments in it, and the plot really didn't make a lick of sense, and also Rambo is a terrible hero. Like, he's a terrible hero. He was going to leave everyone behind, and the only reason he didn't is because they shot the girl that he would have had sex with if he could have had a chance. Like, that's it. They just shot him. They killed his John Wick puppy. That's all that is. But he was going to leave him. But, like, out of all the moments of insanity and stupidity I accepted for their 80s-ness or just their stupid action moviness, that helicopter scene blew me away. That's <laughs> you are in a helicopter and somebody else is in water. You don't fly that close to it. You just don't. And so, not only that, like, I, I ah, God, why would I, this is another thing I noticed too. When someone gets into the helicopter and they're fighting, the helicopter pilot continues to keep flying up high and in the air and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you're right next to the ground, dude. Just like land the helicopter and let them fight. <clears throat> You're the one that's going to get in trouble when things get worse. You're the one that's going to have to jump out of the helicopter if Rambo wins. Or if there's stupid fighting gets the thing like you killed or the helicopter. Like, land the plane. You're right there. Don't fly up in the middle of the air and then just, like, soar over nothing. Oh, God. Like, when he gets out of the plane and he's trying to do the parachute and he gets hung up. First of all, I, like, I did like his hung up line later. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I gotta but, come back to that. I gotta come back to that. It, the very fact that he get, he got hung up for that long and then ditched his gear. I mean, how far away from his initial landing spot was he? It was it was turning night. By the time he would have landed his parachute, it would have been dark. How how far away? Like, did the plane circle around after they realized he was hung up? He was stuck up there for a bit. So, um, so it's like it's like this. So, like, it go coming back to like him trying to take pictures, like, so like <laughs> they got to lay the groundwork, right? Like, okay, guys, he's got to kill a ton of people in this movie. It's an '80s action flick. We've got to give him an out here. So, in order to sell the betrayal. They just have Murdoch say, okay, we just want you to take pictures. We just, we just want you to just take pictures. And so, okay. So, and they're like, all right, now he has a camera, which we see him put in his bag. So, okay, we gotta, okay, we gotta get rid of this camera somehow. Okay, let's have him, let's have a, let's have it break somehow or like, and someone's like, I got it. We're gonna dangle him from a plane. We're gonna tickle him from a plane, and he's gonna ditch the key. You okay, there, Chris? <laughs> it's like the idea, like they could have just break the camera somehow, or have it get shot. He, ha they have to go through the trouble of dangling him from a plane, and have him ditch his gear that way. So now yeah, we can't just take pictures. Why did he ditch his gear? How did ditching his gear do anything? Did it allow him to reach the strap closer uh, to cut so that he could be free? Like, why Why did he ditch the gear in the first place? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think he was trying to get to the strap 
to make him free, but also it looked like that was on top. Like that wouldn't be underneath all of his gear. That would be on top of it. That was the last thing he hooked up. I don't get it. Whew. Oh, God. Oh, man. But so, yes, I looked it up. He killed 75 people. <laughs> <laughs> you looked it up! <laughs> it bothered me so much! Yeah, people counted that stuff for sure. That's uh, nutty, my dude. So, going back to the helicopter chase real quick. So, not only does he pull him... Does he pull the guy out of the water... Because the helicopter flew that close. He gets in, he throws the 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 big Russian guy out. And the pilot goes to the pilot and the pilot just jumps out. And so he's flying this chopper. Hey, 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 Chris. Chris? What? What? You there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Chill out. <laughs> so like I'm thinking back to this movie. You're, you're it's laughing all, way it, too hard for your own good, my dude. It's uh, it's hitting me. It's hitting me. It's, it's his turn on the wheel, man. It's his turn to enjoy the wheel. It's him. Like it's hitting me all at once. Like I just watched the movie, and now 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 the more that I think about it, it's just hitting me at once. So the he, so he throws the big guy out. The pilot just jumps out the plane. I mean, and then he's flying this helicopter, and then he lays waste. To this entire um, <clears throat> this entire um camp without killing the POW somehow, um, he picks without, them up in the yeah, chopper, somehow. and then we get yeah. I guess he knew which building the POWs. Are. My, by the way, one of my favorite things about the movie is just the PODs watching stuff happening. Just every time they're like, "Well, he's going to die," but then when he shows up in a helicopter, there's a quick shot. Of just them looking out, and they're not even cheering or anything. They're just kind of watching a helicopter blow everything up. It was great. It was like, just use your peanuts gallery, guys. But they're too starved to actually make jokes. So, actually, calling back to that, like, actually going back a bit, um, he, um, <laughs> so he go, he runs away from all these guys, and he goes into a village of innocent people, there's even Buddhist monks there, and, like, he goes in there, he uses chicken, he kills a chicken, uses its blood to lure them into this tall grass, <clears throat> and he, and he lights the whole thing on fire, and he pretty much, it seemingly pulls up this entire building. Oh but yeah, that's the, other, that's the other thing about John Rambo. He's insane. <laughs> he'll set an entire field on fire and murder a bunch of people. He'll shoot people in the face with an arrow. He'll blow up a dude in a second if he wants. Like, John Rambo is insane. <laughs> Hashtag John Rambo is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John Rambo, he's got some problems. Hey, who'd have thunk it? The guy who murdered an entire... That's, so that's the other thing. If you take away the PS, the PSTD like stuff, like if you take away the post-traumatic stress visions that he had from the last movie, <clears throat> she should be having like constantly here because <laughs> this is like where he was tortured. This should bring up a lot of memories there, buddy. This should be a pretty traumatic thing for you. But no, no, he's just he's just murdering people, and we get to see that. So it takes a second in the middle of all that murder that I was like, oh yeah, he's got a problem. He's got a mental health problem. Yeah. 
Like a really yeah. bad one. So, really bad one. coming back to the end of the helicopter chase, he, um, so, he, so like, the tail of Rutter gets shot, uh, shot up, and it's smoking, right? Obvious, like, smoke machines coming out of the, out of the thing, uh, out of the chopper. Yeah, and, it was incredibly obvious, yeah. Um, so, then, he lets them shoot another rocket. It reminded me of Sahara. Um, so, like, how they use the smoke to cover their escape a little bit. So, they blow it up. Oh, they, okay, so there's an explosion. They lose them in the smoke. So, then the helicopter, so the, the, the Russian hind, um, that's, that's, uh, tracking him down is, like, Looking around, and the helicopter is still running on a, and it's parked on river, kind of, on a riverbed, and like there's he so the rind gets right in front of this chopper that's parked. He gets like right in front of it, and he's and so they he's playing dead. Even though this chopper looks in no way, shape, or form damaged as it was when it was flying, it's just running normally, and the, and the uh, windows are <laughs> there are holes in the window, and yeah, so finally it landed pretty comfortably for 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 Rambo to be knocked out. Yeah. Yep. Um. So he, then he wakes up, gets a gets a gets a law out, a rocket launcher, sticks it through the window, and shoots the hind, and it blows up. Yeah, a rocket launcher that we had never seen before. Like, they pull out the rocket launcher on the boat, and they make an effort to be like, hey, here's your checkoff rocket launcher that we're going to use later midway through the movie. But then when this moment happens, which, yeah, he lands the helicopter comfortably, and he's like, oh, I've got the vapors. Then he just passes out, and the guy's like, yeah, this is what happened. This is totally on par. This isn't a trap at all. And he gets closer, and then, like, he pulls out a mysterious rocket launcher that we've never seen before. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe the other pilot was right. Because I didn't assume that he had Here's a hidden rocket launcher in his freaking helicopter. Here's the thing. I didn't know that. They knew how to do Chekhov's smoking gun. They did it right. With the exactly. arrow tips. There are four arrow tips. And so when he runs out and loses the last one on the uh, on the uh, Vietnamese uh, enemy guy, like, people know, oh crap, he's out. Here comes a, Rus here comes a Russian hind. Or helicopter to take him out, and he's got no explosive arrows. How is he gonna get himself out of this one? At least they got that right, but they didn't establish that there was a rocket launcher in the helicopter. <laughs> this movie's great. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> and then he goes in, punches the helicopter pilot that d that ditched him earlier, and he walks in with this enormous LMG <clears throat> that he magically spawns ammo out of nowhere, and so he goes in and lights up the entire op center in this makeshift warehouse-looking thing, this hangar, and he lights up the whole thing. All this expensive equipment that they just used. Everybody in that room except Murdoch. Previously. Um, everybody in that, who was in that room previously was there to actually help him. And he just lit all their equipment up anyway. 
And then he went in, threatened to stab Murdoch, and told him, find them or I'll find you. You just blew up all their equipment to find them. All the records, all the records are gone. I didn't even think of that. How are they supposed to find everybody when we just blew up every piece of evidence they had in every location of POWs? And he's not even going to help him, too, so it's like, go find him. And it's like, well, you blew up our equipment. Do you want to help us? Because you seem to be really good at getting POWs back from their captors. Nah, man, I got to go mourn. <laughs> well, I'm expendable. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. Like, I just yeah. thought of that. It's amazing. Yeah, like, I, I thought that was so weird. There's, like, this hidden... I wouldn't say hidden, it's totally up front, but it doesn't mean anything. There's this weird theme about the politics mean something, and they're there, and they make sense, and they work. They're just, I mean, it's, I don't know much about the history of how so, things worked after the Vietnam War, but there's some politics there that are, like, they, they're thematically correct. But there's also this other underlining theme of how the Rambo's old way of old tools and um, old ways of murdering people and fighting war are, be are best and these new like machines are the way to do it like there's a moment where Murdoch is looking at Toutsman and he's like I'm a machine you're the tool but then he comes in and he uses a gun to blow everything up it's like that that a gun is the tool that you're like referencing it's not that new I mean it's not that old like we thought of a gun not that long ago like, if you really want to talk about, like, man in the jungle murdering people with, like, sharp objects and rocks and, like, tools, like, the first movie he's using, like, actual tree limbs to create spike, like, things to, like, get in people's shins. Like, he was, he was a genuine, like, caveman mode there. Here he's, like, using a gun to destroy a machine, and he's like, machines are bad! And it's like, well, he just used a gun. So, not yeah. only is John Rambo genocidal... He's also a prick. Yep. <laughs> dumb. He's dumb and crazy. Like, I honestly think he knew he was destroying that equipment. I just think he wanted to make it harder for Murdoch. <laughs> he's a prick. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not going to go find him. I got things to do. And you don't want to find him, but you're going to, or I'll kill you. And I just made it harder for you because I destroyed all your equipment. Now go find it like an actual man and we'll go find these people. Also, Nowhere. Also, if he's wandering into the wilderness, how is he going to know if he found them or not? <laughs> how is he going to know any of that? Isn't in the next movie he just chilling out with some Buddhist monks and stuff? I think so. I don't remember so, yeah, what... Yeah, don't have internet connection out there. What are you talking about? <laughs> how is he going to know? I guarantee you Murdoch is just like not picking... He's not picking up POD, POWs left and right. No, he's in therapy. <laughs> I don't know. I think the sheriff from the last movie is in therapy for sure. <laughs> like physical therapy because he got a ton of bullet wounds. <laughs> he may never walk again. I feel like Murdoch is just like, well, this, I, I dealt with this crazy guy, but then he just walked out in the wilderness and I hear he's hanging out with monks now. I think he, he's forgotten all about me but he's right oh. he doesn't care he didn't care about the pow's he cared about co 
and co was sweet and nice and saved his ass and she was cool and everything but like he was gonna leave all of those pow's he's gonna leave them all oh man yeah rambo first blood part two Oh my god. It's ridiculous. It's a mess. There was the mud shot, him stepping up to pistol fire from like at least 75 meters away, and, and just did the whole helicopter stuff. Everything that after that point. Like, how about the fact that he just mumbled his way through like the most torturous electrical shock ever? <laughs> like, I mean, the let's... entire camp of electricity. He's like, Arr! he reminded me of, like Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious movies. But they're like, I guarantee, you, like that's how Vin Diesel would do it. Like they would give him all the hurt. They would give him like four car batteries worth of electricity, and he'd be like, "You got more." Like it's so dumb. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It yeah. was really dumb. This movie was dumb in, like, the best way. Yes. Um, by the end, but, like, I was just like, oh, my God. This is hilarious. Because, like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, um... So, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. How do they top this in Rainbow 3? How do they do they it? They don't. They really don't. They up with Taliban. Do you remember the guy who decided that he was done saving POWs after saving just a handful of them? Even though he's capable of saving all of them, he's going <laughs> to hang out with the Taliban. Rambo 3. <laughs> oh, man. That, that message did not age well. Oh, man. Okay. Um, oh, oh, boy. So that's the reason why they re-released only, the, only uh, First Blood. Uh, Blu-ray. Um. Whew. My heart. My heart's, my heart's beat. My heart's pounding. I, I think the first one is a beautiful movie. I think it's atmospheric and moody in all the right ways, but this one genuinely looks great. What a departure. All right. It is. Just in style and in, just pace and everything. It starts literally the exact same way that, like, Escape from New York starts, like, we don't know anything about who Snake Plissken is, but then all of a sudden we sit down and we're like, you have this past, you're the only one capable of saving the president's daughter, go save her in this place, and you're just in it. Rambo has the ability to lean on the old movie, but really it doesn't at all. It barely talks about the fact that he almost murdered an entire town of cops. Like They, <laughs> they never talk about it, really. When the woman asks him, when Co asks, like, why is he even in this mess, he's like, there was a war over there with the soldiers and the people and he just gets all emo about it and it's like no you you had you have ptsd you freaked out at a bunch of cops because they were dicks and you killed a bunch of them because well they deserved it that that's how that story went and she would then like she would have looked at him like he was insane the way she looks at him when he says my favorite thing like my lucky object is this giant knife i use to do everything including like floss my Whew, man, unbelievable. 
It's crazy. This movie, it's this like, movie it's is genuinely crazy. Coked out Stallone at his most coked out. It's his most egotistical. It defined how a lot of action movies went from there, and it was a huge hit. But at the same time, like this and Rocky Four came out the same. This and yeah, Rocky Four came out the same year. Staying Alive came out just a year before. Like he was at his he was at his peak ego drug taking level. Like he was he was at his most extreme. He thought he could do anything. So we made probably, another one after he this. He probably too. could <laughs> do anything. That's the that's the crazy thing. He's probably so coke. He's probably so coked out at this point that he probably could theoretically do anything, and it probably wouldn't work out. But he could probably again, do anything. I, I do. I did say this in the last episode too. I do stick by the fact that Stallone is a great producer and that he's a great idea man because this movie was made because of Stallone. Like Stallone is the reason this is the way it is, for better or for worse. The the director is famous for a lot of things including making cobra as well but like he also made tombstone but he's also famously known in his last few films as not really even directing the movies that he was directing like tombstone was most famously oversawn by kurt russell like just it's a long story but at the end of the day kurt russell made that movie happen it's the same thing here with rambo despite the fact that the director is also the dad of the guy who made last year's mandy so like I, there's some Hollywood royalty involved, but it's a long, long ass story. Stallone made this movie happen, but the director made the person who made Mandy. So, win win. <laughs> right. Um, okay. <sighs> All right. I think I'm good. Oh man. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah. Do you have a great? Uh, a plus for the amount of laughter I got <laughs> after the fact. Not an A plus. Um, let's see here. I mean, if we're gonna go on the basis and the criteria of previous gradings of uh, the films we've done before, um, good God, D solid D. D. Um, I'm gonna go C. See, I was, I was dangling around uh, that territory. I was dangling I, around D. C don't think D. It's, I think it defined. I think it was a huge hit. It defined a lot of the movies that came after it, for better or for worse. It is a good time, but it's trying by the end. And I don't think it's aged necessarily well. Um, but it's not terrible. Like I would watch this again, but by the end of it, I could see myself just kind of like maybe fast-forwarding through some of those kills at the end, because the editing's really trying. But <laughs> it's not a it's not a B. Like, the first movie's more along the lines of a B. This doesn't really have anything to say that I agree with, and it's also pretty dumb and stupid. Uh, so I would say a C, maybe a C-plus for some of the technical aspects of it that I really enjoy. But, yeah, I'd say I'd say C-plus. Oh, he's going to C-plus now. Okay. So... So I'm gonna give this two ratings. Uh, oh boy! It's uh, how many lines of coke out of six? It's it's it's, <laughs> like, 20. <laughs> it's like twenty lines of coke out of six. Uh, <laughs> but as far as quality, I I would probably agree with Alex. It's probably a C, maybe a C minus. Um, yeah, it's it's above. I think it's above average, but it's basically it's aged to average, despite the fact that it it really had a huge impact and it defined how a lot of movies went. But I also think it's it hasn't aged necessarily wonderfully. 
in terms of but, it, but it is definitely 20 lines of coke out of six <laughs> it, it's 20 lines of coke out of 60 lines of coke no it's 20 out of six not 60 out of six I don't know how you got 20 lines out of six but there you go he he, he snorted a lot more coke than was required of him <laughs> don't we all <laughs> not me. Not me. I mean, well. You guys are uh, shit. <laughs> Goes on genocidal terror in Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, you're mis- dude. I don't think if that was what Coke did, there'd be a lot more people dead <laughs> in the world. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a salt thing. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Okay. Breathe. I haven't laughed this hard since uh, Norma the North. Norma the North was a nightmare. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Norma the North is insane. Okay. Um. So Rambo. Next. Next. Next time. Rambo three, and that's actually the title is Rambo three. <clears throat> yeah. They they finally go with Rambo three. They figured. First Blood Part 2 was a big enough hit, and, um, we, uh... They, we're not making First Blood movies anymore, we're making Rambo movies now. We're making Rambo movies, yeah. Okay, so, um, next time, uh, Rambo First Blood Part 3, I'm kidding, no, it's just Rambo 3. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, get ready for another huge adventure, um... <laughs> Into the Afghani desert. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, oh man, we're so close to four. I so badly want to see four. Oh man, here we go. Rambo three next time. We'll uh, see you guys then. Uh, take it bye, guys. Bye bye. Now that I know that we're ending recording, bye. <laughs>